Hey everyone, welcome to What Are You Watching? I'm Alex Withrow and I'm joined by my best man, Nick Dostal. How you doing there, Bronco Henry? I'm excited to be here. Big day, Oscar nominations, big day. This is it. Thoughts? What, what do you think? How do they compare to last year's? That's what a lot of people seem to be saying. Um, I think they are a little better than last year's. There are a few surprises. One massive surprise, which we're going to get to pretty early on. But overall reactions for me, I thought, okay, it's like it's a good showing. There's some good uh, deep cut foreign films on here. There's some people and films I definitely wish were here. But, you know, it's kind of par the course for every other year. My first thing I'll say up front is I'm not as bothered by these 10 Best Picture nominations as maybe I thought I would be. You know, it's a pretty good collection of films. I do still think it could be five. We'll get into this later. But, you know, right up front, initial reactions, 2022 Oscar nominations. I'm pleasantly surprised. I think this is a pretty good showing from them. I still would love to get rid of some of the standards that the Oscars have where, you know, movies have to pay $100,000 to even be considered for a nomination. Yeah. Because by doing that, you really do eliminate so many real possibilities of what could be in here. In, in particular, I think the supporting acting categories, I think that is actually mm -hmm. for me where a lot of this falls. But with everything else... I think we got some interesting stuff here. Yeah, it costs a lot of money to be nominated for an Oscar and even more to win one. Not like it's not like you're handing money over to anyone necessarily, but just in terms of publicity, marketing, it's a, a lot is still spent on the pageantry of this ceremony and and, you know, I was lamenting a few episodes ago about how the Oscars can fix themselves. And right away, they just like did not listen to me. And they went way, way steered, <laughs> way, way far left, did not nominate Denny Villeneuve for Dune for best director. I was I'm like still, frankly, stunned by this. I guess they're saving it for part two. That's what a lot of people are speculating, that they'll give Dune part two even more of a showing in terms of nominations. But I don't know, that could be in like three, four years. But we're going to break all these major categories down and right up front, the power of the dog coming out real, real hard with 12 nominations. That's the most of any movie. I think this is a, a, a pretty strong indicator that this is making a push for best picture and best director. Netflix has still never won a best picture. It's one best director. Alfonso Cuaron, Roma, but it ha it does not have that best picture prize. So it'll be interesting to see if how hard they push for this. And then Dune is next with 10 nominations. Again, not best director. That's crazy. And before we get into all the noms, I just I didn't know if you had any like crazy egregious snubs that you noticed. My big one was Wes Anderson's The French Dispatch, zero noms total. I was really surprised by that. This was one that critically very well received. I mean, not a lot of people went to the theater to see movies, you know, this year. We've talked about this a lot. And this was one that they seemed pretty adamant about just putting in theaters and doing that slow indie word of mouth build. And I guess it didn't work here. But I'm really I know people who love Wes Anderson and that's their favorite Wes Anderson movie. So I was I was surprised by that. I'm very surprised too. I mean, production design alone. Yeah, like he's yeah. usually nominated for Anything that has to do with the visual Some of the look. technical ones. Some of them. Yeah, I think that's a big snub. I think for me, 
I, I mean, again, like it's it was a long shot anyways, but Nicolas Cage being nominated for Pig. Yeah, that, I think that yeah. would have been a wonderful thing just to have in there. It would be great to mix it up and give us like some indie darling love like that. Best actor doesn't have any. Best actress has a little. But let's get into this race right now. Let's start with best picture for the first time in a very long time, if not ever. They said from the gate, we are not nominating five to ten movies for this award. We're nominating ten outright. Here's what they are. Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. Decent crop of films. We've heard a lot about them throughout this extended Oscar race. And the big surprise for me was Drive My Car. I just saw that movie. It is a three-hour Japanese movie by Yusuke Yamaguchi. And this is one you're really going to like a lot. It relies on Chekhov. It relies on Mirakami, who I'm a big fan of. It's a very good, slow, intentionally slow, intentionally long, meditative Japanese piece that is stunning that it got. It got some huge nominations. And that is a big, big surprise for me and for people today. But yeah, good movie. Just uh, frankly stunned to see it here. But what do you think of Best Picture? Well, I was going to piggyback off of this because of um, Parasite winning Best Foreign Picture and Best Picture. Mm-hmm. And screenplay and director. Yeah, it really swept. <laughs> but w- No love for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, no big deal. Moving on. Yeah, moving on, moving on, moving on. Cliff Booth won. It's not an issue for me at all. That, that, yeah, yeah, we're not upset. Now, do you think that this is a trend that should be continued? Like, obviously... Drive My Car, I think, would 100% be nominated for Best Foreign Picture. But what does it do in any foreign picture to be nominated in the Best Picture category as well? Like, do you think when Parasite won Best Foreign Picture and Best Picture, what mattered more? Was it the foreign picture or was it the best picture? It was probably the best picture. Yeah, that's the first foreign film, first non-English language film to ever win Best Picture. So that's a huge groundbreaking deal. Foreign films, like an acclaimed foreign movie, it, it's no stranger for those movies to get a Best Picture or Best Director nomination. Igmar Bergman got a few of them. It Federico Fellini got a few of them. It was kind of understood along the way that, yeah, we're an American award show, but we watch foreign stuff too. It's okay. We're never going to give them an award, of course. That's what the foreign language film category is for. (laughs) But yeah, we'll pat them on the back and save face with this Best Picture, Best Director nomination. So that's nothing new. I think people, like there was that movie Cold War from a few years ago, and people that people were stunned got a Best Director nomination. And I always remind people there are 17 branches of the Academy Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. Those individual branches nominate their specific branches. So not everyone is picking Best Director nominees. There are about 9,500 people in this academy. Only the director's branch are nominating those directors. Only the actor's branch are nominating the actors. So it's not uncommon for directors to spread love and give a nomination to the like foreign standout of the year. But I One thing I will not give the Oscars shit for is I really appreciate that they've always stuck beside and really championed movies like this. Even if it is just one or two a year, there's usually one foreign film highlight of the year, and it's cool that it's this one. The other one this year is The Worst Person in the World, which I don't believe is out yet. I think it comes out 
in the States on Friday. So that's one I have to check out. That and Coda are really the only ones on here that I haven't seen yet. The worst person in the world, that's been getting so much attention over the course of this. A lot of love. Yeah. So best picture, any... Where's your heart right now? Any thoughts on what you think will win? Any thoughts on what you want to win? I, I mean, it's early. Predicting what's going to win is kind of silly. I even went a few episodes ago. I wasn't predicting that Dune will win everything. I was just saying, if you do that this year, more people will watch next year. But how do you feel about Best Picture? Well, I feel like in in terms of just the category itself, there's more movies in here that I'm excited that are even here than there were last year. Yeah, like obviously, my heart is in Licorice Pizza. Oh, God. Yeah. That is what I so want to win. But because the power of the dog is up there and it is making this big push for it, I agree with you. I think Power of the Dog was a very, very well done movie. And if that wins, great. I still like your idea the best, though. I think if Dune can take this, it does say a lot about what can happen next year. And I think it also just shows it's it's just a real acknowledgement for the state of movies today. Not a lot of people are going to see Licorice Pizza. Not a lot of people are seeing Belfast. If they are seeing some of these movies, it's because it's on Netflix, like The Power of the Dog, mm-hmm. uh, even Don't Look Up. I mean, Don't Look Up. I mean, we had a whole entire podcast on that movie purely because of the splash it made. West Side Story is an interesting one because that, I think, is your pretty much classic Oscar movie. Like, that's your musical, yeah. that's Steven Spielberg. And absolutely no one gave a shit. It bombed tremendously at the box office. It's actually stunning how badly it did. It's I, I still can't believe it. Let's move on to director. We have PTA for Licorice Pizza. Thank God. I was so nervous. Kenneth Branagh for Belfast. It's kind of being marketed as his Roma. Jane Campion for The Power of the Dog. That is my outside favorite, I think, to win. Steven Spielberg, West Side Story, and Usuke Hamaguchi for Drive My Car. Again, fun nomination. No Denny Villeneuve, I think, is the talking point of the day. That is crazy to me. I never ever would have guessed that snub. Yeah, of course I want PTA to win this, but I think they're really, I think Netflix is going to do everything they can to position Jane Campion to take this. I think you're right, but I got I got two hot takes that Uh-oh. I am announcing right here, right now. I'm saying it. PTA is taking this. He is taking it, baby. He I wish I had the your confidence. God, I don't know where you possess it from. I have no I think, idea. I think it's his. I think it's his to lose. Yeah, I, I hope you're right. I don't I don't know. It seems like Kenneth Kenneth Brown, like no one's really talking about Belfast. It's just weird to me that that has made such a big kind of push. I haven't heard anyone talking about that. And the power of the dog has the Netflix machine. We'll see how Licorice Pizza does when it is released on streaming, when and if. They need to do that now, and they need yeah. to start marketing this thing and pushing it out there. And that's that would be his greatest asset. But God, I, I, I would love if you're right. Love it. Oh, I'm right. It's happening. Best Actress. I was really nervous about this one. It kind of went our way. Jessica Chastain, she made it. The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Olivia Coleman, The Lost Daughter. Penelope Cruz, Parallel Mothers, Nicole Kidman being the Ricardos, and thank God, Kristen Stewart Spencer. Kristen Stewart, who did not get a SAG or BAFTA nomination, those are the British Oscars, which was really uh, just baffling to me. 
And of course, the big surprise here is no Lady Gaga for House of Gucci. But I, I don't know if someone had to go. Penelope Cruz is the big surprise. She's great in Parallel Mothers. I love Almodovar. So I really love that movie. And she's great. But I did not expect that at all. But this is my favorite category. Oh, yeah. Out of every every num every category that we have for the Oscars this year. This is the one that I I am. I honestly don't even care who wins because I think I think this is the best showing of all the female actress performances of the year. It's so interesting to me. Pablo Lorraine's last movie, Jackie, right when it came out, it's touted as this like it's going to get a bunch of nominations. And then it all comes down to just a single nomination. Best actress, Natalie Portman. Same thing has happened here again with Spencer. It just all comes down to one nomination. Also, you know, the no Gaga thing is interesting because House of Gucci only walked away with one nomination. But I love these five performers. And it's a really good crop. We have Chastain, who's been nominated a few times, hasn't won. Olivia Coleman just won in 2018 for The Favorite. Penelope Cruz has been nominated. She won Supporting Actress for Vicky Cristina Barcelona. Nicole Kidman has won for The Hours. And then we have Kristen Stewart, who a lot of people love, but has never been nominated. So I'm kind of, I'm cool with any of them winning. It's going to yeah. be a really fun race to watch, certainly. I, I love it. I think it's great. Best Actor. So Best Actor is going to be, there, there will be a lot of eyes on this one a lot because we have Javier Bardem being the Ricardos, Benedict Cumberbatch, the power of the dog, Andrew Garfield, tick, tick, boom, Will Smith, King Richard, Denzel Washington, the tragedy of Macbeth. So just looking at these, we're going to be positioned here with a Will Smith versus Benedict Cumberbatch showdown, I think. And I think that's going to be difficult uh, on an optics level for the Oscars to manage because Will Smith wants that Oscar. And as I keep reminding myself that as much as it kind of seems like Will Smith to me, I've been like, I think he's kind of got this on lock. I and a lot of other people thought that last year about Chadwick Boseman, and they framed that entire ceremony around his presumed winning. And then an old white dude went and won it. And Anthony Hopkins is great in The Father, but yeah, no real big surprises here. I did not think Leo in Don't Look Up or Bradley Cooper in Nightmare Alley or, yeah, Nicolas Cage and Pig. As much as I would have loved for them to be here, I didn't think they had much of a chance. But it was cool for Denzel to sneak in there. He's great in that movie. Yeah, I think this is a great showing. I think I agree with everything you're saying. I think this really does come down to those two performers. I think it's got to go to Will. I think it's it's his time. He's got to. It's Will Smith. And he's good in the movie. So, yeah. And I think it is his time. And this is, you know, we'll get into this a little later. Like the Oscars are known for this, for giving giving the award up. Al Pacino's Scent of a Woman. No one thinks that's Al's best performance, but it was time. It was weird that the dude didn't have an Oscar. You don't want Will Smith to be like Christopher Plummer's age. And they're like, holy shit, we really got to, I mean, where he's playing like a, a dying guy. And then you have to give him the Oscar because you never did before. So <laughs> I don't know. That's going to be a race that a lot of people have their eyes on, though. A lot. The dude is a great actor. I, I feel like he he gets shit on because some movies he does aren't that great. His choices sometimes aren't the best. Mm-hmm. But you can't deny that whenever he's whenever he's doing, he's... He's really good in it. Yeah, we don't have movie stars anymore. I yeah. I think I've kind of talked about this on the podcast a little bit. I rant to you about it all the time. We don't. There are no movie stars under the age of 40, in my opinion. I not 
There are stars, but he is one of those last great stars. I don't even know if you can sell a movie on Will Smith's name now, but there was a time when you really, really, really could. And this would be, awarding him for this would just kind of be a great way to be like, yeah, we remember. We remember all you did for this industry, all you did for black culture. We remember, and we like you in this movie, so here you go. Yeah. I just think it would be great. Benedict Cumberbatch will be here again. I don't oh, yeah. know if Will Smith will be. Benedict Cumberbatch will be back. Trust me. But again, a lot of people are going to have their eyes on this race. Best Supporting Actress, we have Jessie Buckley, The Lost Daughter. That was a great surprise. Ariana DeBose, West Side Story. Judi Dench, Belfast. Kirsten Dunst, The Power of the Dog. And Anjune Ellis, King Richard. Great roundup. I'm thrilled that Kirsten Dunst got in there. I loved her in that movie. Ariana DeBose seems they're kind of positioning her to win. That would be really cool because Rita Moreno won for that same character all those years ago for West Side Story in 61. I think the most shit I saw on Twitter this morning was for the Judy Dench nomination because a lot of people really thought Katrina Balf from Belfast would get in here. But it looks like Dench took her spot. And, you know, Dench has been nominated a bunch of times. And her final scene in Belfast is really, really good. She really nails it. But Balf nails that entire movie. And I know you haven't seen Belfast yet, but that was that's really surprising to me that she didn't get in there. But, you know, all hail Judy Dench. <laughs> has she? She's won before. Judy Dench won for an eight-minute performance in Shakespeare in Love. And it's that's one of right. the most... It's just one of this most like widely accepted, like, oh, yeah, she did it. It was 1998, um, and it was kind of – I remember that ceremony going into it. It was kind of assumed she was going to win. But, yeah, it's, it's funny that she's here yet again. Best Supporting Actor, we have Kieran Hines, Belfast, Troy Coaster, Coda, Jesse Plemons, The Power of the Dog, J.K. Simmons being The Ricardos, Cody Smith-McPhee, The Power of the Dog. No Bradley Cooper here for Licorice Pizza. I didn't, I didn't honestly didn't think that was going to happen, but I'm still a little bit bummed. Um, being the Ricardos absolutely cleaned up in acting. This yeah. was the actors were clearly a huge fan of this one. Curious that the writers were not a fan of Sorkin's screenplay and didn't nominate it for its award. But yeah, some fun surprises here. You and I love Jesse Plemons. I'm so happy that he got nominated. It seems like Cody Smith McPhee, at least that's what early people are talking about. I don't really know like who the front runners are to win these things. I'm totally speculating. It's impossible to handicap this now. The big surprise for me was J.K. Simmons. I mean, he's won for Whiplash. I did not expect him to get in there. He's fine in the movie, but that that was I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, this is this is a complete. I mean, Power of the Dog too. I mean, every acting category it could have been nominated has got one or two people in it. Yeah. I want to move down to original score real quick and just say, thank God Johnny Greenwood got a nomination. I thought it would be for Spencer. He also did The Power of the Dog, so that's nominated. He also did Licorice Pizza, so his name was last in the announcements, and I was getting really, really nervous. Um, Hans Zimmer's in there for Dune. That'd be really cool if Hans won. He hasn't won in so long. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, 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 my, it's my personal like favorite category of the year. I, I, I love Best Original Score. And I think all these nominations are great. I, I mean, I if I had to give it to anyone, it's got to be Dune. I mean, come on. I mean, do you watch that movie? Anything Hans Zimmer does is just, he's just, he's the GOAT. Yeah, it's such, it's like a character of that movie. All right, adapted screenplay. We have Coda, Drive My Car, huge surprise. Denny Villeneuve nominated for writing Dune with Eric Roth and John Spates. 
The Lost Daughter, written by Maggie Gyllenhaal, and The Power of the Dog, written by Jane Campion. Interesting race because if they throw all the love at Power of the Dog for picture and director, I wonder if they'll spread it a little bit or if they'll just do the three and they'll do Campion for picture, director, and screenplay. We've been seeing that. You mentioned Parasite earlier. That's what happened with that. I love that Maggie Gyllenhaal got nominated. I really like The Lost Daughter. Yeah, no no idea where this could go. My uh, Jane Campion is the clear front runner, but again, with director in her sights, I don't know. Will they spread it around? Who knows? Exactly. And it, you know, could go to Best Adapted for Drive My Car. That would be cool too. That'd be great. Best Original Screenplay. This is the this is the What Are You Watching Battle Award because we have Belfast, we have Don't Look Up, Licorice Pizza, King Richard, and The Worst Person in the World. That last one is really fun. The worst person yeah. in the world. I don't think it'll win, but I love that it's here. It makes me even more excited to see it. I ha- said a few episodes ago that I would. I think it would be very smart for the Academy to give PTA this award. I you're you're saying you think he's going to win director. If I'm wrong on this and you're right, bring it on home. That's all good to me. I don't have. I'm not that optimistic about director screenplay. I think is his best chance and you are just full stop going hard hitching your wagon to don't look up and you really think adam mckay is going to do this to the point where you are behind it so much that your confidence seems delusional <laughs> no, I don't it's know. making you nervous yeah, it's making right, you sweat isn't it <laughs> no i would no 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 if you <laughs> if don't look up wins this and pta wins director i am not complaining at all I really don't think Don't Look Up is going to win this, but I, I, I just don't know. I don't know. I, this could be, I, I honestly think this could be Belfast, Don't Look Up, Licorice Pizza, or King Richard. I do, because if they push for Will Smith, maybe they'll give, you know, that screenplay. Screenplay can be a little weird sometimes, like the imitation game one screenplay. Not a lot of people talk about that movie. They Screenplay can be weird and fun, and they can branch out, but they can also give it to the really popular movie, so... This is one that I really, really have my eyes on because in the ceremony, this award will come first. It's going to come probably long before Best Director does. Oh, yeah. So if PTA wins this, then I'm just like, cool, I'm sipping champagne the rest of the night. <laughs> if he loses it to anything. <sighs> we're going to have to do it. We're going to have to do some type of fun like bet. Like if because because I feel so strongly about these two particular awards if any of them go any of our ways that we think, we're going to have to do something that we'll do like on the show, on Twitter. We'll, we'll come up with something fun to to bet and see what happens. Yeah, it's just it's a little tough because I do not have hard lined bets like you do. You're betting that Don't Look Up wins best original screenplay. You're betting that PTA wins director. I don't, not only do I not think that's going to happen, I don't have people to pick because I don't, I'm not confident for anyone. I'm not looking at you going, you're wrong. PTA will win original screenplay. I don't believe that. I can't say that with conviction. I have no idea. I just don't think it's going to be don't look up. I mean, I, if they give it to that, that's what a giant middle finger to just like the industry. Like, hey, this is, remember when you all talk shit about this for two weeks over Christmas on Twitter, nanny, nanny, boo, boo, boo. <laughs> be nuts. And then if, if PTA gets to get up there for best director for his 1973 throwback movie, oh my goodness, I would just be, I would love it so much. 
And now I, I just know, need to, I just also need to clarify. I do not. My confidence in Don't Look Up has nothing to do with me thinking that I think this is the best screenplay of these categories. I just feel no. That's like, not what we're talking yeah, about. We're yeah. talking about handicap winning. Yes, yes, that, yes. exactly. Because yeah, yeah, if yeah. I'm going with my heart, it's Licorice Pizza. I don't think all anyone thinks it's the best original <laughs> no. screenplay of the year. <laughs> it's improvised. I don't think anyone thinks Don't Look Up's the best original screenplay of the year. Uh, exactly, it's improvised. I think they would awarded that just to fuck with like the industry and be like, ha ha. I but because if he had not won for the Big Short a few years ago, I would be totally agreeing with you. But I I, I don't know if that. If people want to give it to him again for winning so soon, but I mean, they do that all the time. So what the hell do I know? We're going to, oh man, we're just going to keep this train right on moving. We, this is the ultimate, what are you watching? Eat your words category. We move right yep. to best editing. Here we go. First nominee is our, our guy, our main man. We love him. We do. Mr. Hank Corwin is nominated for don't look up. Uh, yeah. Wow. Joe Walker for Dune. He's one of my favorite editors. Actually, he's edited hunger, shame. I love him. King Richard, The Power of the Dog, and Tick, Tick, Boom round out the nominations. We had some choice words for the editing in Don't Look Up, but he's here, so bully us. And maybe, I mean, I would almost say, I wonder if that's going to win above. Actually, this will probably go to Power of the Dog. It, it, yeah, I think, yeah, we have to, we have to stick, stand by with what we said. Uh, we love Hank Corwin. Not the biggest fan of the editing of Don't Look Up, but you're right. It's here. We weren't the biggest fan of the editing of The Big Short nor Vice. So it's just that not particularly our style. But if he this wins, I will laugh. I will be like, we we are we are out of touch. Bohemian Rhapsody won it. And entire articles were written yeah. before the Oscars about how poorly edited that movie was. The editor responded to those articles being like yeah you know and just making like it wasn't my fault we had this and this and his rationalizations actually made sense like knowing what i know about editing i was like oh i kind of get what he's saying but then he still won and that's just that's it's so crazy it's just wild one quick thing about best editing though there is no belfast here and that would be that really, really decreases and lessens its chances to win Best Picture. If a movie doesn't get nominated for editing but then wins the prize, that's very rare. I, I, I like all these nominations. I, I, I would actually, if I was just picking, I would go with Dune. I thought that movie was extremely well edited. And uh, but power. The, I mean, all of them were. All of them were. We'll jump all the way down to Best Cinematography. You and I love this award. We have Dune, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, The Tragedy of Macbeth, West Side Story. I've seen all these movies, all really, really strong visual looks to them. I want to comment on a few of them. We, we gave some love to Dune. Nightmare Alley, I just, I've had an entire like two-month relationship with this film because you know, I've actually yeah, mentioned have. it on the pod. I've recommended the original. I love the original. The one thing that never satisfied me about the original was like the last couple minutes. That's perfectly rectified. In Guillermo del Toro's version, Nightmare Alley with Bradley Cooper. I like the movie and it's long, but I was like, wow, this is, it's a totally different vision than the original film. So now let me read the fucking book. So then I read the book, the whole book. And then del Toro's like, hey, I'm going to re-release my movie in black and white. So I'm like, all right, asshole, I guess I'll go see that. So then I marched my ass to the theater, saw that Nightmare Alley in black and white would probably make my top 10 of 2021 if we were doing a top 10. I thought it was so much more effective in black and white. 
it lessens the the kind of fuzzy look of the CGI, which is just inherent to all movies of a budget now. It made the blood even more unsettling. I really enjoyed that. I know he's nominated here for the color version, but still. And then the tragedy of Macbeth, black and white, as I'm watching it, I'm having a lot of issues with the way it's filmed. And then I found out they very intentionally shot it all in a soundstage, like an old, like Hamlet, like 1948's Hamlet, Olivier's Hamlet. And I'm like, all right, that's kind of fucking cool, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then Yamush Kaminsky, someone I've given some crap for, for the way he shot recent Spielberg movies. I thought they'd been uh, like it, just glossy and filled with all of this way too much smoke and i i've just given him i've given him some crap i thought that was all it was like he heard all that and put all those criticisms into west side story and there was some it was a beautiful looking film that did not have a huge reliance on visual effects long takes well choreographed so i'm glad he's here but yeah fun category is always one of our all-time favorites of course what do you think's taking it where's your heart on this one this is tough because i I don't know, man. I could really see, I could see a major power of the dog sweep here, but okay. In my heart of hearts, I think we're going to see Dune do incredibly well in the technical categories, some of which we've glossed over, no offense to them, but sound, cinematography, things like that. And I think we're going to see the power of the dog do very well in the big categories. And I think right now on nomination day, I think that means for power of the dog, picture, director, supporting actor for Cody Smith McPhee screenplay I, I and even those four are a lot for a movie nowadays that's to huge. win and those are four huge heavy hitters I that's where my heart is now but that means Greg Frazier would win for his Dune cinematography so that's that's kind of what I'm thinking I, I dig it I dig it best international feature we have drive my car from Japan flee from Denmark the hand of God from Italy Lulana a yak in the classroom from Bhutan and the worst person in the world from Norway. I just wanted to flag this because I was stunned that Parallel Mothers and A Hero were not here, each made by directors who have won this award before. I was I was just stunned by that. A Hero is going to come up a little later from me, but wow. I think Drive My Car takes us. I think so too, but you can also watch The Hand of God on Netflix. That is streaming on Netflix right now. Have you? I started it actually. Oh, okay. I'm going to watch it. I didn't thank you for saying that. I didn't know that was on Netflix. I front load like before the Oscars. I kind of have an idea. We all do. If you're paying attention, you have a loose idea of what's going to be nominated. I'm addicted to film, so I, I'm just a nutcase. I have seen most of these already. That's why it's fun for me to jump into that stuff and go, okay, where can I find these foreign films? Where can I find these documentary feature links. Then after that, I'm like, where can I find these live action shorts? I love to do that shit. And where can I find, you know, the animated shorts? So the next month and a half, that's what I'll be doing. I'll be filling in all those deep kind of cuts. And I don't think these movies are going to win, for instance. But in 2011, when I saw all those foreign films, I was seeing names like Denny Villeneuve and Yogurt Lanthimos, which no one else was talking about. So by the time they came along, and we're making movies in America. I'm like, I know those guys. And it's just cool when that happens. It's a lot of fun when that happens. You know, because on Netflix, when you're just scrolling through, like they give you like those little like, you know, quip scenes on the on the intro that kind of hook you in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I watched the one for Hand of God and it went on for quite a bit. And I was immediately <laughs> immersed. I, I turned it on right then and there. Yeah. And I really like what I've seen of it so far. It's very, very cool. 
All right, cool. Good to know. I'm yeah. So that's one to add to my list, certainly. So those are the main nominations we wanted to break down. But you know, I didn't I didn't realize I'd kind of positioned my head. But yeah, I think you're going to see a big showing from Dune in the technical categories, and then the way I feel now, and a lot of shit can change in a month and a half. A lot of narratives can get built up in the entertainment industry. A lot of people can get. Uh, pissed off or canceled and then not canceled or I I, I don't know it's it's going to be it's going to we're going to see a lot of focus put on categories and specific races like best actor is going to be one that a lot of people are talking about I think Will Smith has been a little quiet for a month month and a half now he was all over the press when that movie came out I think we're going to start to see a lot more of him doing the interviews hitting the circuits I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But we have, you know, about a month and a half until these things air. And Denny Villeneuve's snub for Dune is fucking baffling to me. Never would have predicted that. Never. Malcolm and Marie didn't get a single nomination. Well, yeah, of course it didn't. People fucking hated that movie. <laughs> <laughs> it cost like $2 million. Well, that's it for this year. So I thought it'd be fun to, you know, we get a lot of questions about the Oscars. and. I get a lot of questions in my personal life. A lot of people ask them about, a lot of people ask us questions on Twitter about them. I am obsessed with the Oscars. I, I grew up with both of my parents putting a lot of stock into them. And my dad, pretty much before every ceremony, would have seen every movie nominated for every major award and even like, you know, the technical awards. And that rubbed off on me. And I would just start going with him to all these movies. So I love them. I love the silliness of it, the pageantry of it. Ever since 1997, I've woken up early so I can watch these nominations live, even when I lived in L.A. and had to wake up at 5.15 in the fucking morning. <laughs> Noting all this, of course, I don't agree with all the winners mm -hmm. or the nominees. I don't like all the winners and nominees. If you love professional football, you don't love who wins the Super Bowl every year. This is just the... This is really one of the only ways they give us to celebrate the film medium we love. There are various film festivals. There are, of course, smaller awards. But, you know, they give us what they give us. And I'm always going to be here for the Oscars. I'm always going to watch them. I'm always going to give them a little shit. I'm always going to try to tell them how they could do a little better, even though they're never going to listen to me. I just love digging into the history of the Oscars. And we've had some colossal turning points with this governing body recently that I thought could be fun to talk about. And then, yeah, I don't know, just talk about some general Oscar shit. I didn't just want to break down the nominees because then, hey, podcast done. Like, let's, I don't know, let's open it up, talk about some Oscar shit. Dude, well, I mean, I have to say, like, since I've known you, we have watched the Oscars every single year and you mm -hmm. make it the funnest time. The spreadsheets the, <laughs> that you come up with for the for the picks. Oh, yeah. Like, it, it really is. It, it's a celebration. And I totally get it, man. That's how I feel about WrestleMania. Yeah. Like every year WrestleMania comes out. I'm like, do I agree with the matches that are on here? Probably not. But this is what they think is the best of the best. And you kind of have to go with it. Yeah. And so the Oscars were like my mom and mine's thing. Like yeah. she threw big parties and everything. So it that it's not that was hard. Like those first few years without her. And you really stepped up. And, you know, we've made now a new tradition of promising to always watch them 
together, which means, you know, I'm hopping on a plane in a month and a half, flying to LA, and we're fucking watching them, and it's going to be amazing. And if we do that, if we have to do that for the rest of our lives, then that's what we do. And I'm going to, like, I look forward to this so much every year, even if I don't agree with all the nominations. I'm like, I just love the event of it. That's all. And uh, yeah, I'm never going to defend them full stop. I can't. They're ridiculous. Some of the things I'm about to talk about are ridiculous, but it's all we got. It's just all we got. And I'm okay with that. I'm fine. And at the end of the day, this is the movies industry's biggest night of the year. Yeah. This is what it all comes down to. So if you, even if how you feel about the Oscars, it's too politicized. It is. It's too this. It's too that. It's too controlled. All of these things. It's all very true. But at the end of the day, if you are in this industry, this is the biggest night of the year. Everything is for this. So there is some bit of magic and respect and love for that because you can shit all you want and say i I don't want an oscar if you want an oscar (laughs) you're gonna be pretty happy about that (laughs) yeah yeah of course you may try to play too cool for school yeah do the joaquin thing and like tell everyone to stop giving me a standing ovation yeah exactly (laughs) no i got vegan milk i got something i'm gonna say oscar stage Starts talking about milk. Oh, God, I love him. Oh, I love him. It's fucking great. Two big things here. 2008 changed the Oscars. That race, because what happened was superhero movies are starting to take off. Twitter's popularity is surging. And the as the Oscar nominations get close, there's a very vocal group of people saying that The Dark Knight should be nominated for Best Picture. It was the highest grossing movie of the year by far. It was really good. It had an all-timer performance by the late Heath Ledger. It would have made sense, and very few people would have been mad about it, about The Dark Knight being nominated for Best Picture. The nominations come out, and the Best Picture nominations are The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, Frost Nixon, Milk, The Reader, and Slumdog Millionaire. Which wins? That's not the strongest race. We don't really talk about those five movies anymore, not in the way we talk about The Dark Knight or even yeah. WALL-E, which came out that year. Slumdog Millionaire was a thing. No one expected The Dark Knight to beat that, and no one was saying The Dark Knight needed to win. They were just saying it should be nominated based off of several criteria. So this was the thing. This became the thing of the 2008 Oscar conversation, and people were pissed. Critics were pissed. Audiences were pissed. And in this market, of course, the best way to show that you don't like something is to ignore it. So after that, the Oscar telecasts, the viewership starts fucking plummeting to where when we were kids, the 1999 Oscars, American Beauty won. I went to school the next day and had kids in middle school telling me, whoa, did you know American Beauty won Best Picture? Is there any school middle school in america where people are talking about that nomadland won best picture i mean you know what i mean like we've changed the thing it's changed it's not as big of a cultural conversation anymore because like 40 million people watched this when i was a kid 10 million people watched it last year so sensing this the oscars right away start changing their rules and the best way and the most notable way they do this is they change the best picture nomination from five movies eligible to five to ten in the case of this year it was ten full stop were nominated and viewership has just plummeted as a result and with this new voting change came okay okay everyone has to give me like 
30 seconds. This is going to be incredibly boring, but it's important for people who like the Oscars. <laughs> when they made this rule change, the way that every category for the Oscars is decided, the way a winner is decided, is the most votes win. If Jane Campion gets the most votes, she will win for the power of the dog this year. There are about 9,500 people in the entertainment industry who vote for these awards. All voting members choose the winners. They don't elect the nominees, but they choose the winners. In every category but Best Picture, it's simply most votes win. Best Picture is this thing called the fucking preferential ballot in which each nominee ranks every Best Picture winner from favorite to least favorite. If one film garners more than 50% of the vote outright of all the nominees and it automatically wins, otherwise, which usually happens, the count unfolds in rounds. So the film that received the lowest number of first place votes is eliminated and those votes are then allocated to the voter's second choice. This process of elimination continues until there is one film left with more than 50% of the vote. What the fuck am I talking about? That doesn't make any sense. What did all of that mean? That felt like I was reading something. I, I don't have that memorized. I was reading that off a website. Feels like I'm reading it in a different language. That doesn't make any sense. And this is why I think you have some rather subpar movies winning this in some years. I'm not even going to call names out because I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, but the Best Picture Award is simply not as coveted as it used to be because more movies are nominated and because this ballot preferential voting ballot process is so stupid. I just, I've never understood it. People ask me to explain it to them. I can't. All I know is just because, okay. If you and I were voting for best picture, okay. Let's say we're voting for best picture. A lot of people will put that number one spot with their heart. They will vote with emotion. Like, like, wow, I, I don't know if Licorice Pizza will win, but yeah, I'll put, that was my favorite film of the year. I'll do that. I'll do that. Uh, number two, let's see. I don't know. I guess Power of the Dog was good. I don't know if that was exactly my number two of the year, but I, I think some people will vote for it. I'll put it there. If, a, if enough few people put Licorice Pizza at number one, but in, those same people put Power of the Dog at two, Power of the Dog can successfully win Best Picture that way. That does not make sense to me. I know it makes sense, like you break all the numbers down, okay, whatever, but that's, my, that's one of my big rants. That's a huge error on their part. They need to go back to five nominees for every category, but it doesn't need to be this complicated. It should be the number, the movie with the most votes wins. I had no idea that that was how Best Picture was, was determined that way. That is banana. Only since 2009 is when that started. And again, I have not agreed with every Best Picture winner before 2009. Are you kidding me? Of course not. There have been some laughable errors, but that's the way of the world. Some years would really, really go your way and you're like, I know it's not really fashionable to talk about American Beauty anymore. When that movie won, that was fucking crazy. An independently produced movie. It was just nuts that that was a thing that happened. Yeah, the, that confuses everything. It's not even fun to talk about for nerds like me because it's so difficult to understand. But the next big event is 2014 and then especially 2015, which spawns the hashtag Oscar So White campaign. Because in 2015... Mm. Every single person for the second year in a row nominated for an acting award was white. This pissed off so many people in our culture that it completely changed the entertainment industry to the point where this will never happen again, not in our lifetimes. 
I cannot foresee another Oscar year in which there are no persons of color among the nominated actors. This is a good thing. Yes. Because what all this backlash did is it forced the people who are responsible for making movies to start being more inclusive. I'm talking about the people at the way, way, way top, not the people on TV doing interviews. Talking about the people who sign checks, the people who do the hiring, the people who do the firing. And I've always said that that needed to change before the Oscars can change. Let people from different backgrounds make movies. Great, please. That was a huge turning point for the Oscars and a good one. I don't think the preferential voting ballot turning point was a good one. Another thing they did in 2015 to help spawn new diversity in nominees and winners is that they invited a shitload more people to vote on these things. When I was a kid, when we were kids, there was like 3,000 people who voted for these. But it was, if not always talked about, that probably like 2,500 of those 3,000 people were old white dudes. So <laughs> not really getting the best pool to vote on the best movies of the year. The only question I have about this is... Are 9,500 people voting for an artistic award better than, say, the nine that vote for the Con Palm Noir winner? I don't know. I think that's an interesting question. We know for a fact that those nine jury members for the Con Film Festival watch every single movie nominated for the Palm Noir. They sit in a screening room. They watch them together. If you're trying to tell me that 9,500 people are going to watch all 10 movies nominated for Best Picture this year, that's a fucking joke. I mean, come on. This, <laughs> that, that's no one had. These people don't even have time to do that. I mean, those are the big turning points. You have The Dark Knight not being nominated, which pisses a lot of people off. And then you have a bunch of persons of color not being nominated, which pisses a bunch of people off. So that's where we are. And those kind of help shape the Oscars to how they are today. So what does that mean for art? It's really important to know that if you track the Oscars and even do some research, some historical context, the Oscars have always been full of shit because if they pretend that they award the quote unquote best thing, the best performance of the best movie, that's just not true because that's impossible to calculate. So whether something is good or not is just a fraction of how to win an Oscar. Publicity matters, how well you're playing the game, how much money your studio is throwing behind you. Are you doing the interviews? Are you going on the press tour? It all matters. The politics are very, very strong. Have you won before? Have you not won before? Does that become part of your narrative? Kind of have to have a narrative to win now. Are you intentionally not doing the press like Monique for Precious when she won Supporting Actress? She's like, I'm not playing this game. Award me if you want. And she wins. Some, some people have to play the game relentlessly to win an Oscar. And then that's what they're known for. And I'll talk about some of those. Well, you do. You just said it. It, it. There has to be a narrative. And that's the mm -hmm. culture that we live in now more than anything. Like, I think that you're right. Yeah. There's always has there in the history of entertainment. There's always the need for a narrative but now there's a need for narrative in almost every single thing that you do like in order to make it something that people see there's got to be a narrative behind it which i think sometimes is dangerous and the cool thing about a narrative is when we get a huge oscar surprise it is when that narrative has been turned on its head the narrative of last year's oscar ceremony was chadwick boseman is going to win best actor posthumously 
to the point where they framed the entire show around it. That category was last after Best Picture and Director. I have never seen that before. That narrative gets turned on their head, and we have one of the biggest upsets in Oscar history. No one talks about it. They just remember they just ended. Oh, yeah. Like, the show just ended. Anthony Hopkins won that. That was... Uh, that's one of the biggest upsets I've ever seen in a movie in an Oscar ceremony. Another one, I'll do some recent ones like best actress 2007. You had this narrative that Julie Christie's going to win from away from her. She's really good in it. She had won decades earlier for darling and kind of out of nowhere, this relatively unknown to American audiences, actress named Marianne Cotillard wins for La Vie and Rose for a foreign language speaking performance. And that's one of that's one of my all-time favorite Oscars. I absolutely love that because that narrative was like, nope, we're we're gonna award this. We're turning that narrative on its head. There was kind of a narrative that Glenn Close would finally win an Oscar for the wife, or that Lady Gaga would win an Oscar for her first major starring performance in A Star is Born. No. Nope. Olivia Coleman comes along, flips that narrative on its head, and she wins it. It's crazy. I've talked about Best Actor 2002 on this podcast before as well, because the narrative of that was, is Daniel Day-Lewis going to win his second Oscar for Best Actor, or is Jack Nicholson going to become the first man to win three Best Actor Oscars? Day-Lewis was nominated for Gangs of New York. Jack Nicholson's nominated for About Schmidt. Adrian Brody completely stops that narrative dead in its tracks when he has a stunning upset win for The Pianist, which is one of my favorite, if not my favorite Oscar win ever. That's just a great moment. Even Daniel Day-Lewis's first win for My Left Foot. Big surprise. You were telling me like that, that, that came out of nowhere. It did. And what starts that train is that Brenda Fricker wins for Best Supporting Actress first for My Left Foot for playing his mom. That was a big surprise. And yeah, the narrative of that night was Tom Cruise. He's going to win for Born on the Fourth of July. Oliver Stone won for director. Driving Miss Daisy won picture. Like, okay, <laughs> do the right thing. Not nominated. Makes total sense. And that is one of those decisions, because when we talk about how you really can't judge art in a way until time has passed, because what are you still talking about? And people still talk about Daniel Day-Lewis being an Oscar winner for My Left Foot. People who haven't even seen that movie mm-hmm. know that he won an Oscar for that movie, even though he's won other Oscars as well. But it always kind of boils down to My Left Foot is that one where he won the Oscar for. And what's really cool is that's 2002. All that narrative I just laid out. Will Daniel Day-Lewis win his second Oscar? Will Jack be the first to win three? Jump 20 years later now, DDL has been the first to win three Best Actor Oscars. He's still the only one. And Jack has retired. So I don't think he'll ever be nominated again. And it's just so cool to kind of look at these microcosms in Oscar history. And then it's a fun way to talk about The wins, of course, yeah, that's fun, but it's also a way for me, at least, to remember the movies and remember the performances, and that's what, it's always been a way into film for me, this ridiculous telecast. Best Supporting Actress, do some research on those if you ever want to do, I love watching Oscar win speeches and Best Supporting Actress, this is the ultimate awkward category. You will never see people's spirits simultaneously die and come to life more than in this category. I mean, even when, like, I remember Jack Palance, he opens the envelope and awards it to Marissa Tomei for My Cousin Vitty. And the narrative after that became that he read the wrong name because he was so old and he just said the last name aloud. And it's like, what? That's so fucked up. Like, she totally deserved to win. But (laughs) 
1996. Oh my God. Go watch Juliet Binoche winning for the English patient. Holy shit. You got to go watch this clip. It was such a lock that Lauren Bacall was going to win for The Mirror Has Two Faces. It was the only time Lauren Bacall had ever been nominated. And Juliet Binoche, this like young star, wins. She apologizes to Lauren Bacall in her speech. It's nuts. Similarly, you have like Marsha Gay Harden winning for Pollock in 2000 when it was kind of predestined that either Frances McDormand or Kate Hudson were going to win for Almost Famous. And even when I remember Nicolas Cage, he opens up the envelope and he's stunned that it's Marsha Gay Harden. But what's cool is that both those women deserve to win and yeah. Marissa Tomei deserve to win. And those are instances of Oscars being like, yeah, we, we saw the work. We get it. What is your favorite Oscar win? For like whatever reason, like personal or what you actually thought was okay, we'll give well, I'll ask both. What is your personal favorite win, and what do you think was the actual best win that the Oscars ever gave? I mean, there's just Jesus. There's way too many to even unpack with that because there's so many. Like, I'll move to one of the things by by way of answering this question that I've always given them credit for is that they have always traditionally done very well in their original screenplay category and they use that category to often award the the hidden daring influential indie movie like not even an indie but just something a little more risque than what would go on to win best picture like Thelma and Louise The Crying Game Pulp Fiction Usual Suspects Fargo Goodwill Hunting Almost Famous Lost in Translation Eternal Sunshine Manchester by the Sea Get Out those are all really innovative movies that probably weren't going to win too many other Oscars. So I like that they did that. I'm trying to think the Adrian Brody one just always sets in my mind because I never, ever saw that coming. And unfortunately, the things that stick in my mind a little more are the snubs, the things that lost out. So if we move to like best director, the rewatchables just did ordinary people a few weeks ago on their podcast. So that brings up the conversation again of ordinary people and Robert Redford beating Martin Scorsese and raging bull. So that's always a fun one to debate. Cause it's like, what are you talking about? Like, I can't believe that one, but then I went and actually watched both movies back to back. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to give ordinary people a little more credit here than usual, but it's good. It is good, but it ain't raging bull. Like that's no crazy. Crazier is Kevin Costner, Dances with Wolves, beating Martin Scorsese in Goodfellas for Best Director in 1990. I can understand, given that the Oscars used to love these big, huge scope movies like Dances with Wolves, why they wouldn't want to give that picture, but directors, that's just so stupid. And then the last really, really big one was Tom Hooper beating David Fincher. When Tom Hooper won for the King's Speech and beat David Fincher for The Social Network, that kind of put, a, it seems like it just put a bad stamp on Hooper. And that that's when I hear people referencing him, that's often what I'll hear first, how people disagree with that so, so much. And then best picture, I mean, again, like when we give movies crap, like new movies that have won, I'm not saying this is a recent trend. Like it's absolutely ridiculous that Shakespeare and Love beat Saving Private Ryan. That was a huge, huge deal at the time. And the whole narrative after became, well, Harvey Weinstein bought that award, sending people DVD players, sending them DVDs, sending them gifts. That puts such a negative stamp on a movie like Shakespeare and Love that that's usually like the narrative of that movie now. Similarly, it was absurd when Crash beat Brokeback Mountain. Mm. That's for just uh, latent homophobia within that governing body at the time. It's utterly absurd. 
And you have things like the King speech beating the social network, which is one obviously a lot of people talk about. That's just crazy. It's that's the Weinstein thing again, the Weinstein machine. It's nice that I don't really hear about that anymore. I don't really hear about like these bullheaded producers going around trying to buy these awards. I'm sure it happens, but I haven't gotten as much of a sense of that lately. And I guess that's a good thing. And then I, you know, the biggest thing in this category, like probably of our lifetime, is the whole snafu of the way Moonlight was awarded Best Picture. Oh. I honestly, even walking into that ceremony, I was like, I wonder if they're going to, Moonlight's going to take this. I wasn't really that surprised by that. I was surprised how Bonnie and Clyde had a hand in kind of flubbing it up there. But <laughs> that wasn't as big of like an, of a surprise to me as them framing the entire fucking show around Best Actor last year. Yeah. Assuming someone was going to win. And then that person doesn't win and you just cut to black and the telecast is done. But then the Oscars, they've also gotten some stuff right as I'm rounding out here with some upsets I've enjoyed. Midnight Cowboy winning Best Picture in 1969, first X-rated movie to win is nuts. I still can't believe that movie won. If you want to see how the Oscars did a lot of good, look at like 1971 and 1978. The string in there is incredible of what won. You know, you got... French Connection, Godfather, The Sting, Godfather 2, Cuckoo's Nest, 1976 is a mulligan for me. 77, you have Annie Hall versus Star Wars, which is still hugely discussed today. 78, you have The Deer Hunter, which is my favorite movie to ever Ooh. win Best Picture. So they yep. really did it right. In 1991, they gave the big five Oscars. That's picture, director, actor, actress, and screenplay. They gave it to The Silence of the Lambs. That's nuts. That's a dark movie. They've only done that three times in history. It happened one night, one floor of the cuckoo's nest, and the silence of the lambs. No movie's done it since. That's crazy. That's crazy. My biggest Oscar memory that I have is I remember watching the 1997 Oscars. So this would have been in 1998. Titanic. Where Titanic yeah. took everything. But you also had at the same time Goodwill Hunting and LA Confidential, yeah. which were two movies that were and they both highly, won the screenplay highly regarded. Awards. Yep, they both, yep. but it felt like watching that telecast that Titanic was just sweeping everything that whatever movie won another award that Titanic was up with was like huge. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, here's a deep nerd cut. I had done the math. That was the first full Oscar telecast I watched in full live. And I remember doing the math and thinking, Titanic is going to win every Oscar that's going to be awarded after X point, we're like two hours, three hours into the telecast. It's going to win picture director. I, I already know that if it wins best makeup, it's going to be the most, it's going to end up being the most awarded movie in Oscar history. Me as an 11 year old, 12 year old did not want that. Did not want Titanic to be the most <laughs> awarded movie. So when men in black won best makeup, I remember so distinctly, I got up and started singing the men in black theme song. Cause I was like, boom. <laughs> and then Titanic did indeed go on to win every other award it was nominated for that was left for that evening. So now it's tied with the most wins. But yeah, I was so happy. But yeah, you're right. That was like when something else would win, you'd be like, oh, Kim Basinger beat Gloria Stewart for supporting actress. That's awesome. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. The Titanic, man. It is funny because the the relationship people have to that movie now, because that that's a movie that doesn't really get talked about as much in that way but everyone knows it as 
that movie that did that. Yeah, that swept. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that'll happen again. That, the Lord of the Rings, the Return of the King, winning like 11, 12, 13 Oscars. I don't know. Dune. Including picture and director. Like, no, Dune can't because it well, can't win director now. Director. So, I, that's, so I don't know, like, the next time we're going to see that. That's what I was going off about on our episode on a few episodes ago when I said like it would be great if Dune did sweep a bunch of stuff and then you have that big winner but I don't think that's how it's going to go this year I certainly don't think the power of the dog while it's nominated for 12 I don't think it's going to get I don't think it's going to get into double digits but you know I always love talking about the Oscars I love debating them and arguing about them and going oh well why because it's not just about how the hell did that person win like the Kevin Costner versus Martin Scorsese thing is something that is important to talk about because people don't understand how Dances with Wolves beat Goodfellas. By the night of that Oscar ceremony, I, I'm a total fucking nerd. I've gone back and read Entertainment Weekly articles, Premier Magazine articles, like leading up to that. The narrative had become, Marty's going to win director, Dances with Wolves is going to win picture. That's so why when you watch that movie win picture, it's not that big of a surprise, but when Marty loses director, it's a fucking stunning upset. That's nuts. Yeah, I think that's got to be the biggest. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I I remember watching all of them as a kid. I I definitely like for me, I remember watching it with my mom and we would do the whole entire deal where it's like we'd watch the the uh, the the pre-show red carpet, the red carpet. We'd, We'd comment on the fashion of everybody. But I think it was around, you know, you mentioned 2008 and I do remember that year being really into performance uh, movies like In Bruges and then it not being represented. Mm -hmm. And I remember that was like the first time where I felt like, I feel like certain movies that should be here are not. And then starting to kind of grapple with that. But I think I only have one last question for you that I want to pose because we have talked about this, but to bring it on the pod is, do you think a Marvel movie is ever going to win Best picture. Yeah, I mean, Marvel has been nominated Black Panther in 2018. So I remember there was some talk about that. And that, if it was going to be a year, it probably could have been that one because that was a pretty weak Oscar year. And they ended up giving it to Green Book, which again, not hearing a lot of people talk about, hearing a lot of people talk about Black Panther. I wouldn't have really had an issue with it that year. I don't know, though. I don't honestly know if a Marvel movie will attract enough cultural cachet or oscar cachet to check all those boxes i'm talking about because this is not just about popularity that's a portion of it but a lot of people were talking about spider-man might get a lot of nominations this year it only got one and that is kind of part of the course for marvel movies i don't know if a marvel movie is going to come around that is politically pleasing for enough people they're always going to make enough money but that enough people like to have enough influence behind to do that. I I don't know. I don't know if it'll I don't know if ever anything will reach like award status like Black Panther again, but you know, I could be wrong. One can win 4 years from now. What the fuck do I know? I guess we talk about like the legacy of movies and we're such we talked about this a little bit on our last episode um of just what Marvel has meant to movies over the past 20 years about and because it even started with X-Men, like X-Men, like, you know, came out in 2000. And yeah. that was like the first time a comic book movie actually was like, oh, wow, they're not just Tim Burton, Batman, you know, type of movies like this. Is, it actually can be like a, a, a good superhero movie. And to think that because they've become such an institution 
that the Academy wouldn't at some point give some recognition to a two-decade-plus end-going legacy. Another thing to keep in mind about Best Picture is that it's not really awarding huge movies anymore. No. They, they don't give it to the... Like, those movies cost millions and millions to make. Nomadland, Parasite, Green Book, Shape of Water, Moonlight, Spotlight, Birdman, 12 Years a Slave. Those aren't expensive movies. Not really. I'm The King's Speech, The Artist, they're not very yeah. expensive. So... I don't know if it's a thing where maybe those movies are honestly too big. People will feel like, well, they have all the money. Why the hell do we need to give it the awards, too? They have nah. all the popularity. Do we really need to? So, I don't know. A conversation for another day, I suppose. But let's move on to a quick what are you watching here. We'll give the folks something to recommend. We talked about so many damn movies so far. but Oh, yeah. Well, you brought it up in one because um, I wanted to bring up the one. Because I remember specifically the way that this happened was... Uh, I was watching Ordinary People. Ooh, yeah. And I did not know that that movie was even nominated for an Oscar, let alone one. And I remember I enjoyed it. I liked it a lot. I texted you. I go, I just watched Ordinary People. I like this movie. I think it's really good. And you're like, yeah, one best picture. I go, okay, yeah. And then right after you go, over Raging Bull. Mm. And I just go, what? I couldn't believe it. So... My What Are You Watching is sort of kind of encouraging people to either, one, see Ordinary People, if you haven't, and then kind of see where you land with that, the fact that Raging Bull lost to it. Or if you haven't seen Raging Bull, go see Raging Bull. <laughs> so my, my What Are You Watching is kind of a cheat in, in promoting just that particular Oscar win over another. Yeah, I like that. That's a good tactic. Go watch both in a row. It's so funny because that's what I did last week. I listened to that podcast episode and I was like, all right, I have not watched Ordinary People since high school. Let me go sit down and do this. And there was a lot more to respect about it. That The movie was released in 1980 when no one, no one was talking about therapy, yeah. depression, suicide, not in a really honest way. They were making fun of those things a lot. No one was doing that. And it's Timothy Hutton's performance in that is really, really unflinching. It's absurd Donald Sutherland wasn't nominated for Best Actor. It's uh, still crazy Mary Tyler Moore did not win Best Actress. She was beat by Sissy Spacek for Coal Miner's Daughter, who's great. But Mary Tyler Moore is just the epitome of like nastiness and repression. And uh, yeah. and I did. I had no recollection of ordinary people being as well edited as it is and it, it is very very risky with its editing you've ever seen like Sidney Lumet's the pawnbroker with really quick flashes really quick flashbacks it's kind of got that vibe I didn't really remember that from it all that being said that movie ain't no raging bull no it's, it's not. just not and that's all due respect to people who like ordinary people it's a really fine film would have been great if it came out the year before. Let Ordinary People and Kramer vs. Kramer duke it out wow. for Best Picture. That would have been amazing. Way better showdown for that because people are pissed that Kramer vs. Kramer beat Apocalypse Now. I mm -hmm. kind of understand that because the Deer Hunter won the year before. People maybe had Best Picture, Vietnam War, Fatigue. Kramer vs. Kramer vs. Ordinary People is a lot. It's just more fun because yeah. they share more in common. Or, God release ordinary people the next year beat chariots of fire what the i mean god what a just a waste of a best picture win in my opinion but yeah it's fun to do but the, but i mean thelma schoomaker's editing and raging bull changed the art form of editing and that won the oscar for editing that year that's good and de niro won actor that's good but 
that movie did a lot more, I think, for movies than Ordinary People. That's all. Oh, no, for sure. But it's tough because Ordinary People is not a bad movie. Here's yeah. another. I'll throw another wrench in here. I like The Elephant Man, also nominated for Best Picture that year, more than Ordinary People. I love The Elephant Man. Elephant Man's great. David Lynch. Who knew? I already mentioned my What Are You Watching as well. It is a hero which was snubbed for Best International Feature this year. It's by Ashkar Fahadi. He's won this twice before. He won for A Separation. He won for The Salesman. A Hero is a, well, it's a really good movie about how no good deed goes unpunished, how a small lie, even if it's based on a shred of truth, can lead to another lie and another and another This guy makes seemingly simple movies about really sneakily complex emotional issues. There's a lot going on with his characters. There are no visual effects. There's no crazy camera tricks, no fancy editing styles, just boots on the ground, natural filmmaking. He's amazing. And this movie, A Hero, is on Amazon Prime right now. I was texting you about it after I watched it. Like, this dude did it again. It's incredible. I thought his nomination here was a foregone conclusion. Him and Almodovar for Parallel Mothers. I'm, you know, I'm surprised they're not here, but yeah. So there we are. Breakdown of the 2022 Oscar nominations. Oh boy, I'm really surprised to see. We're talking a lot about narratives. I'm surprised to see what narratives get cooked up for here for individual people like Will Smith. There's going to be a big Will Smith narrative. And for individual movies, Netflix is going to work really hard on a Power of the Dog narrative. So we'll be here for the entire thing and we will be reporting back the night of the Oscars to see how it all unfolded. But as always, thanks for listening and happy watching. Hey everyone, thanks again for listening. You can watch my films and read my movie blog at alexwithrow.com. NicholasDostel.com is where you can find all of Nick's film work. Send us mailbag questions at whatareyouwatchingpodcast at gmail.com and we'll answer those on the show. Or find us on Twitter at waiw underscore podcast. Next time, we're going to introduce a new monthly segment all having to do with the Criterion Collection. Fun stuff. Nerdy stuff, but fun stuff. Stay tuned.